What's up, everybody? It's your pal Sig Neutron, and boy, am I excited to share this episode with you. Uh, if you don't know, because I don't show most of this on mainstream social medias because I'm not allowed, but your pal Sig Neutron has been doing a lot of deep trauma healing, and a lot of that came from it, like venturing into the deepest, darkest uh, parts of my sexual desires and proclivities, and. I really think there is so much to be learned about ourselves when it comes to sex. In this episode, we're going to talk about BDSM and kink and dominatrixes with a special guest, Mistress Porcelain Midnight. I Man, we cover so much ground here, and I still have so many more questions and, and things to talk about. But this is uh, an absolutely incredible episode, one of my favorites I've ever done, and I really appreciate Mistress Porcelain taking the time to sit down and actually explain and educate us on what it's like to be a pro-dominatrix. We really need to end the stigma around sex in all forms, sex, sex work, you name it, because sex is natural, sex is normal, and sex is fundamental to who we are as beings. So without further ado, I'm Sig Neutron, and this is... What's up, everybody? It's your pal Sig Neutron, and I am here with Mistress Porcelain Midnight. Hey. <laughs> Hello. This is Mistress Porcelain Midnight. How are you? I am excellent, and I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I have so many questions, and just like, it's, it's going to be great. Um, so, would you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. So I'm a professional dominatrix. I've been a professional dominatrix for over 15 years. Um, I own my own dungeon called the Midnight Manor, which is in San Diego. I'm a professional dom here in San Diego. I do travel. Um, right now I'm only traveling to LA though due to COVID. Hmm. Um, if people want to book a session with me, they can visit me at the Midnight Manor website. They can Google me and find my website at mistressporcelainmidnight.com. I'm also on Twitter as Dommy Porcelain and on Instagram I'm at uh, Porcelain Midnight. So those are the best ways to find me and reach out to me if you have any questions or feel free to uh, want to book a session or just reach out and say hi. Right on. So I'm doing a series of episodes that just cover like sex, sexuality, gender expression, all these things that we don't necessarily talk about. And for me personally, I have discovered like one of the paths to my own healing and figuring myself out was actually leaning into my own kinks and like thinking like, why, why do I, why am I into this stuff, you know? And it's like, but a lot of people I find are very, well, just society as a whole sort of paints this weird shameful thing on, you know, kink and sex work and all this. So what I, my goal is to destigmatize that. And I think the best way to do it is to talk to people directly. Yes, I agree as well. The biggest issue that I find is when I talk to people about being a professional dominatrix, number one, the first thing that people say are, oh, you get paid to have sex with people. And I said, no, I don't. I said, yes, I classify myself as a lot of us do as an adult entertainer or a sex worker, but that doesn't mean that I personally have sex with my clients. Mm -hmm. Some professional mistresses do. I myself don't, mm -hmm. as most mistresses do not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, there is a lot of shame around kink, around BDSM, around people identifying with BDSM and kink. I have seen so many people lose jobs, lose just all kinds of things because they're into kink and BDSM, which isn't fair because I feel like so many people, I wouldn't say get a free pass, but there's so many things out there like it's okay to be, you know, trans, it's okay to be bi, it's okay to be whatever. But I feel like when it comes to kink and BDSM, there's still this, I guess, dark, you know, like hole around it. Like, don't touch it, don't come near it, don't talk about it. And for me, I hate the stigma, the stigmatization that comes around it, because I don't think people realize how therapeutic it can be. Absolutely. Yeah, like safe, consensual, uh, sexual experience is like so therapeutic and you know like I'm I love like role play and things like that and it's like being able to uh, adopt a character and play out little scenes and stuff is so like healthy because we all have these fantasies and stuff but to actually live a fantasy and experience it's like it really uh, it's it's incredibly healing I think it's a hundred percent healing people ask me well why do you do what you do you know, what's, what is it really, bottom line, what is it that people are coming to you for? Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, it's therapy. It's extremely therapeutic for someone to come in to get away from their job, their children, their kids, whatever they have going on in their life. It's escapism. Mm-hmm. And it's a way for them to express themselves in a place that is safe. There's no judgment. There is no fear. It is an extremely safe place with someone like myself who has the background, the knowledge, the medical knowledge, the psychological knowledge, all of these things that I've curated over my career to be able to help someone realize their kinks, not be ashamed of them, come out and say, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to experience. This is why I want to do this. And it is extremely therapeutic. Not only is it therapeutic for them, but it's therapeutic for me as well. I wouldn't be doing what I am doing if I didn't find joy in what I do. Mm-hmm. You just don't decide to become a pro dom just because you like to just you know beat people. That's not what we do. That's mm-hmm. what a lot of people misunderstand what we do. Mm-hmm. Humiliation, you know, corporal punishment, those types of you know behave things that we do that people come in for. That's one very small aspect. There's a lot, there's thousands of different, like you were saying, activities. There's role play, there's bondage, there's sissification, there's all these different things that people come in to see me for that at the end of the day are looking for that mental release of a place where they can escape that has no judgment and no fear and just feel free and feel like themselves, whether it be for an hour, two hours or for the day. They're just looking for that escapism and that mental freedom of a place to go that's safe and consenting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's an excellent point that you brought up is that, yeah, a lot of people think, yeah, you just beat people. But no, there's like if you really there's so much more work that comes into it. And as a professional dominatrix, there are many skills and things that like you need to learn to do it properly. Correct. hundred percent. So I probably get at least a few hundred emails a month on people wanting me to train them. 
And in my career, I've only professionally taken on about three mentors that I have trained. I mean, uh, three mentees that I have mentored because number one, you have to have a skill set. I cannot teach someone who is, doesn't have a basic understanding of the human anatomy, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to understand physicalities as far as body language. You have to be able to read people. Um, mentally, there are, are red flags and things you have to look out for. There's an entire business aspect. Um, you have to learn how to vet clients. There are so many things that encompass doing what I do. It's very multifaceted. And for someone like myself, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still learning, you know, from my clients. I'm still learning from women that have paved the way for us as a younger generation of pro doms to come out. The older pro doms that have been in the industry for 25, 30 plus years, they started off and they took the risks and did go to jail and did get in trouble and and pave the way for people like myself to be able to come out a little more freely and say, hey, I'm a pro dom and this is what we do. So yes, there are stigmas, but yes, we're, we're trying to and we're working past that to get past them. But going back to what you said, it is a very, very extreme extremely it's a skill set that like I said not everybody can pick up mm-hmm. um, I can teach anyone to throw a single tail I can teach anyone to throw a whip but how to do it correctly why you're doing it how you're doing it and the intent behind it is so important and I think that's a lot of things that people don't understand understand about being a professional pro Dom that there is so much more behind what we do mm-hmm. Um and that's why I've, I haven't mentored a lot. It's also very time consuming. Mm-hmm. It takes about a year, year and a half to learn how to be a professional dom to the level that I would want you to be working under, you know, me at my dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that not only with the skill set, but there's also, like I said, a business aspect. There's a lot of business that's involved. If you're not business savvy, mm-hmm. you know, you have to learn how to use the internet. There's a lot of things via the internet that we didn't have when I started to be a pro dom. Mm-hmm. You had to kind of find a magazine and place an ad and people had to email you deposits. It's like everything has changed now. Mm. Everything is on the internet. So, you know, I have older women that contact me that want to be pro doms that aren't necessarily the best on the internet. So I have to help them with, you know, their clientele and how they do that. So there's just so many facets in what we do that people don't even even realize. And I think that's another thing, too, that I find really bothersome is that people think that we're just laying around in latex cat suits all day, you know, men feeding us grapes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that does happen, you know, sometimes in a session, but that doesn't mean we're not human beings as well. Mm-hmm. And I think people think that a lot of sex workers, like dancers, porn stars, they just see you on screen or see a photo of you, and they don't understand that we're human beings and that we're people and we have lives. And when someone calls me, you know, and wants to talk to me on the phone about their kink, that I'm standing in the bread aisle at Whole Foods. It's like, well, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm at the store. But they're like, oh, 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 sorry. Like they don't, they, they kind of forget that. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I love what I do. Um, I love every aspect of it, but there's definitely a lot that goes into it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a great point. I was going to mention that too. It's like, it seems, yeah, with, with it's like dancers or porn stars, 
in the past, it's almost like they were like separate from like people, you know, they didn't, they didn't treat yes. like porn stars as people. They were just porn stars. But like me, actually, like I've always been very um, attracted to pornography as I think it's pornography is like the highest form of art to me. And of course, there's a shadow mm-hmm. side to the industry and things like that. But, you know, in its supreme incarnation, I think pornography is beautiful. And now we're just hitting a point where now that everybody's getting an OnlyFans and it's really the conversation really blossoming up into like, uh, you know, the interactivity between like porn stars or so like there's there's a lot more interaction. And I think that's a beautiful thing because like, yeah, we like we need to acknowledge them as people, too, because it's so dehumanizing to put sex workers in some kind of boxes if they're not human. You know, I 100 percent agree. I mean, it's the same thing happened with dancers. I mean, that's I started off as a dancer and I was so I felt literally like, I'm just going to say it, like a piece of meat on stage. Mm -hmm. It was not a good feeling. I hated how I felt. And it wasn't until I became a pro dom and got my power back is when I realized, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I identify with. This is who who I am. Mm -hmm. And it's sad that I was a dancer and felt so humiliated when I shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. And no one has, no one should be humiliating anybody in any sort of atmosphere when it comes to sexuality or what you decide to do with your body when it comes to sex. But unfortunately, like I said before, when it comes to like you said, any type of sex work, people automatically put you in that box as like, oh, you're a dom or, oh, you're a dancer or, oh, you're a porn star. That's all they look at you as. And it's, I'm hoping that with all the new platforms, yes, I think it's cool that a lot of people can have their OnlyFans. Should everyone have one? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, because then it kind of takes the fun away from it, you mm. know, Pornhub, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about that topic, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, okay, at least we're going in a, in a direction mm-hmm. um, that's more open but still, when it comes to kink and BDSM, there's still that stigma behind it. And there's still, I think, a lot of work that needs to be done in the industry with a more definitive line and for a more definitive answer of what we actually do. Because if you walk around and you, you ask 10 people, well, what does a porn star do? They'll tell you they have, they have sex on camera. What does a dancer do? Dancer goes to a strip club and dances. What does a dominatrix do? Oh, she just has sex. They just, they, they, or they just come up with some, they don't, they don't really know what we do. Mm-hmm. I literally get emails from people going, I don't understand what you do. I'm like, well, why don't you Google dominatrix, do your homework, and then get back to me? <laughs> <laughs> or I tell them, you know, I practice the art of BDSM. They're like, well, what is that? And so, you know, yes, I don't mind educating people, but I feel like when it comes to BDSM and kink, People need to do their homework. Mm -hmm. And I think that myself as a professional, I spend a lot of time in my career. In fact, you're my second interview today. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, I I spend a lot of time educating people on BDSM and kink. And I love the education part of what I do so much. I teach a lot of classes on BDSM and the law. 
I teach a class on uh, one of my favorite classes that I love to teach is CBT, which is cock and ball torture, my favorite. Nice. Um, I teach a lot of really amazing classes. Um, I'm really fortunate that I am a DomCon board member. DomCon is the world's largest convention that specializes in kink and fetish. And in fact, you're going to get a personal invite <gasps> and a free pass this year. Oh we'll my make God. sure that you come. And it. you're yes. going to love it. I'm you'll, there. you'll have a blast. But what's really cool about it is the education that's involved. All of the dominatrixes from all of, all of the world show up. And we teach education. We have parties. It is a full week of education and events and parties and vendors. And it's a whole private world of BDSM, kink. As a board member, I'm very, very honored that I get to be a board member of the world's largest kink convention. That's so cool. it's amazing. You will, um, we have one of my favorites is the um, we have the ponies, people that dress up as ponies, and uh-huh. we do they do pony play. We have animal play. I love cats. I you know I was telling you I identify as a cat, so I dress up as a cat and love I it. play in the pet awards. And we have pet shows. We've <sighs> got kink. We've got oh, rope. We've got it's just a whole week that I will invite you to to come as my guest, and it's I, incredible. I would be absolutely honored oh my gosh yeah, yeah you would be you love it there's people dressing up as sissies and there's just so much going on and there's whips and chains and things for sale and lube and dildos and it's just a whole world of kink and it's great yes <laughs> my kind of place i love it yeah <laughs> it's great it's safe it's all consensual and you know so i think that hopefully with these types of events and more people coming to these events and they see the education they see that we're professionals. They see what we do. It gives them a little more um, eye-opening experience as what it is that we do, you know, why people come and see us, and the reasons why behind what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, branching into porn and stuff, it, it just felt the vibe was very. It felt very like male-oriented and like this dominant male thing. But then, you know, when I discovered like femdom and that entire genre, I was just mm-hmm. so floored because it, it to me it was like. Yes, this is women embracing power and like, oh, you know, yes. and, and we're honoring Absolutely. women as the, as the goddesses that they are, you know, and I'm like, this is, I get it, you know? Yeah, that's, you know, femdom is, that's how would I, you know, identify myself as a femdom and, you know, I can be as hardcore as we need to be in the dungeon. I have no problem taking it to those levels. And But I do tell people what you see in porn is not always what you're going to get or receive in the dungeon mm-hmm. because that's consensual. You know, what those people are doing is at a different level. You know, not everyone can handle, you know, a 12-foot dildo up their ass. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have some of my clients that can, you know, so it just depends. But, you know – it's not for everyone, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about kink is there is something for everybody. And, you know, there's also another side. There's not just submissives. Like I said, I'm not just, you know, throwing whips at people. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, fetishism as well. There are a lot of men and women that have specific fetishes and are coming to see me 
specifically for those very particular fetishes. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get on the ground and be submissive and roll around like a dog and, you know, have me kick their balls. No, that's not what it's about for people that are into fetishism. I have people that come to see me that are into like, you know, pantyhose or, you know, like to be scratched or tickled and they just want to come in for that. And that's okay too, because that's their therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, I have, I have a gentleman, I call him my tickle, tickle me Elmo doll. He giggles like tickle me Elmo. (laughs) And I literally strap him down to my bondage bed and he likes to be tickled for an hour. And he just loves that he gets so exhilarated. You should see how happy he is after his session. He is just so thrilled that he had a beautiful femdom you know, dressed in beautiful latex, you know, tickling him to death with these long black sharp nails. Like he just loves it. And he comes in every couple of weeks and like, that's his fetish, right? Uh So everyone has their thing. And that's what I love about what I do is I never judge it. And there's never any shame around it. Mm -hmm. And I, I find a lot of people too, that come to see me have a lot of religious shame. Mm -hmm. And I help a lot of people work through that as well. And you know, like my fetish is none. I love nuns. I'm I'm always dressed up as a nun. You can always find a photo of me dressed up as a nun. (laughs) I mean, I have a tattoo of a nun with a cross horse bit in my mouth, in her mouth. And I have a tattoo of Jesus too. So it's like, you know, I, yeah, I'm definitely, <laughs> I have a lot going on on my own, but that's my fetish. You mm-hmm. know, I love nuns and priests. And I think, you know, dressing up as a nun and pegging a slave dressed up as the Pope is one of my favorite things to do. That's, we did <laughs> that last it. week. Yes. So, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite role plays. We, I try to incorporate that one as much as I can. Awesome. <laughs> So, you you know, I enjoy it. Does that, do you think that stems from what, like your own experience with religion? Were you raised Catholic or? I I was raised in a really religious background, you know, and I remember as a kid, you know, seeing nuns and being told, oh, you know, they're, you know, they're so godly and they're close to God. And I was like, really? I'm like, "Mm, I wonder what she looks like under that. Like (laughs) what color hair? Like what does she smell like? Being a child, I was very, at the age of seven, I knew, you know, I I knew I was not straight, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I knew that I was different than most boys or girls. Mm-hmm. I had a thing for rope. I loved boys. I would find boys and girls. I would tie them up. I would do all these things with them. A lot of people have heard my story about having the little boy that I made brush his teeth in the gutter water. I did that at the age of seven. <laughs> um so I was constantly, you know, making, making boys eat, you know, pies and dirt. And my poor mom, you know, she'd get these phone calls and she's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you're tormenting these boys. I'm like, no, mom. Like, they like it. She's like, what do you mean they like it? She's like, no. And I'd get grounded. I would get in trouble. And I have to go to church. And it was just like this whole thing, right? Uh-huh. And my parents just could not deal with it. But as I got older, my mom, I think, kind of, you know, basically said to me one day, like, look, I kind of get it. I don't really get you. I don't really get all of it, but I do kind of get it. And to this day, you know, my parents, they know what I do. And it's really funny. My mom calls it 
that place with the girls. I'm like, oh, the dungeon? Yes, mom, that's where I'm going today. You know, she's like, that place with the girls. I'm like, mom, they're not girls. These, we're, we're women, you know, we're adult women. But, you know, like, they, they, you know, they don't really ask a lot of questions, but there was, and there still is sometimes, you know, some, some comments and some things. And, you know, as an adult child with, you know, elderly parents, we all learn to just kind of ignore them, right? Because mm-hmm. that's all you can do. Yeah. There's no, there's no, I'm not going to try to educate my mom in BDSM right now. It's just not, <laughs> it's just not where I'm going in my life. <laughs> but, you know, as a child, at least she had some, she didn't push me into like, you had to be straight or you had to do this. It was just like, okay, well, you know, you're not supposed to make boys eat, you know, mud pies, but okay, you're staying out of the streets and you're not in trouble. So whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I liked playing doctor a lot. I've asked a lot of people this question. I'm like, did you play doctor when you were a kid? They're like, wait, what? <laughs> and I've only found in the kink community, other kinky people also like to play doctor with their other friends when they were my age. So, you know, that I think for me was kind of a pivotal moment growing up when I realized that I wasn't doing anything bad and there I didn't feel shame because it was like I was just like, okay, so that's my friend and, you know, yes, we're, you know, seven, eight, nine, whatever age we were, we were young, mm-hmm. but I loved her. I genuinely felt love for her in my heart and that's when I told my mom, I go, you know, I love my friend and she's like, oh, okay, you know, that that's that's fine. Oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I want to hold her and like hold her hand. And mom's like, okay, well, cool. You know, she didn't make a big deal about it. And I genuinely loved her, you know, and I and I feel like, you know, thank God she wasn't like, oh, you can't love that person. You can't be with that person because I think that's where it starts as childhood. I think that's where the shaming comes in. That's where the, um, you know, you can't be gay, you know, pray the gay, all that, just, mm-hmm. you know, all that judgment, all that you know, hatred, all of that, you know, just comes into play when you're a kid. So I am fortunate for parts of that. The religious portion of it was still a bit much for me. And it still sometimes can be there are sometimes I, you know, we all deal with our shit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I still deal with it too. But it doesn't mean it's going to stop me from getting up and going and dressing like a nun and, you know, pegging my slave dressed up as a uh, dressed up as a pope. Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> so I I think to anybody out there that feels you know they're still discovering themselves or they're not quite sure, um, a lot of it you know look back at when you were a kid. Every single client that comes into my door, I ask them the same question. I ask everybody, where did you pick up this fetish? Where did it start? Mm-hmm. And the, every single one was when they were a kid. Like my foot, my men that are into feet, they saw, you know, their friend's feet when they were little and realized that they really liked that. Mm. Whatever their fetishes began, nine times out of 10 began when they were a kid, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, psychologically, I think we take a lot from our childhood and bring it into adulthood. But there is also, I think, a lot of people running around with a lot of shame on a lot of levels, whether it be sexual, whether it be trauma, whether it be abuse. We've all had these things go on in our life. And I think that's the really amazing thing about BDSM is I myself have suffered a lot of different traumas in my life. And I think I have found a way to deal with it on a healthy, healthy basis is through BDSM and kink. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. I also have to say, I have an entire family and a community. I have never seen such a tight knit community. I can reach out at any time of the day to anyone in the BDSM community, and they would be there in a heartbeat to help me, sometimes more than my own family has ever been. So I think that's one really amazing thing about the BDSM kink community is how tight-knit of a group we are and how much we offer to help each other and how much we actually do for each other. And there's a lot of us out there that have been in, you know, uh, other people that have been, their families don't understand what they do at all. They have no communication with their family and we are their only family. So I think that's really important too for people to understand that there is a community like all the different communities out there and we are supportive of anyone that wants to join our community in a peaceful and healthy and you know safe consenting manner. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we all uh, we accumulate these traumas and and a lot of it is like based around shame and I find that like when you when you indulge in the kink aspect, you sort of transmute shame into something positive and positive. Like, like a powerful like a, yeah. yeah, it's like flipping the script on it because there's there's the trauma of shame used against you to belittle you, but then when you engage in a the sort of uh, situation where you may be shamed in the kink scenario, it's like you're consenting to it, and it's sort of it's more uplifted and transmuting the pain rather than, you know, suffering from more of it. A hundred percent. It's basically, it's like you're taking out that old VHS tape in your brain that's been programmed to be shamed and you're literally pressing the eject button. You're like, don't need this tape anymore. Let's rewrite the program. Mm -hmm. So I think for me dealing with some of the religious shame that I had, that's how I deal with it, mm -hmm. you know, is by rewriting the story, by rewriting the script, by making it my own and not being ashamed to be who I am, by not being ashamed to explore all different types of religions. I study Buddhism. I really heavy rely on my Buddhism and all of the uh, meditation that I have pulled from Buddhism. And I pull a little bit from, I call it a shopping cart. Mm -hmm. I take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. And I and I tell people, whatever works for you, Absolutely. as long as it's mentally, physically safe for you, do whatever it is you need to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that I really right now, I watched a documentary and I, I actually had to stop watching it. I tried to watch this documentary about the conversion camps. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, I just broke down sobbing. I felt horrific for the people that have to go through that. Yeah. And I just, I, there, there aren't any words for me to describe the things that people are trying to make other people do. I'm sorry, but I can tell anyone that wants to differ, you are born that way. I was born that way. I'm not straight. I never have been. And I can tell you, I was born that way. I was six, seven years old telling my mom that I was in love and I felt love in my heart for my best friend who was female. Mm -hmm. I just didn't make that up, especially it's no one told me that. Mm -hmm. I, I just physically felt that love for her. So you can't tell me that I wasn't born that way. So yeah. when you see these documentaries about these people with these conversion camps, I just... For the life of me, I don't understand why people want other people to, I mean, I get it. There's a lot of social aspects. There's a lot of, 
you know, religious, monetary, you know, uh, re- uh, you know, socioeconomical, all these different things, mm-hmm. that why people wouldn't want their family members, you know, to come out. I get all of that. At the same time, though, it's not your body. It's not your choice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just hoping that we as a humans, we can continue to move past that. And I'm hoping at some point that we can get rid of the stigmas that surround us because I'm tired of the stigmas. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of the fact that there are women that can't be police officers or be doctors or you know have other professions when they go, what did you used to do for a living? Oh, I was a professional dom. Oh, sorry, we can't hire you. Well, why? Yeah. You know, that, that's just ridiculous. And so I'm hoping as, as human beings, we can move past that. I do feel that in the LGBTQ world, we definitely have made a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really happy about that. And I hope that in the kink and BDSM world, we too can get a little bit farther and, and get, you know, a little momentum going in our community and with other people to, to have it to be a little more, I guess, I'd like it to be a little more open and friendly like it is in the LGBTQ world. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like I can't put a sticker on my car that says I'm a pro-dom. Right. Mm -hmm. But I could have a rainbow sticker. So it's like, it's like, it's, it's, I'm like, I I wish we could just, just get, just move a little farther. That's all in the acceptance world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think a big part of that is that, so anything adjacent to sex work, dancing, porn, uh, dominatrix, all sex work has sort of, as a society, societally, like has sort of been associated with degeneracy and desperation. Like people, yes. people don't do sex work because they do it because they have to. Either desperate, you know. But it's like actually, some people do it because they like it and they want to do it, and that's what you should be doing sex work for because you like it and you want to be doing it. Hundred percent. You know, it's so funny you say that because I tell people. I own a lot of other businesses. I technically, monetarily, I don't have to be a pro dom. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't have to own a dungeon. A dungeon is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's more work than a lot of my vanilla businesses, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And um, But I do it because I love it. I don't have to own a dungeon. I don't have to let people play in it. I don't have to be a pro dom, but I love doing it. And it's hard because there are a lot of times where I would much rather be at my dungeon than my other businesses and out in, in Vanilla Town is what I call it. Like everyone, <laughs> that's, it. it's, a, it's like a big joke. I, I'm like, oh, I got to go back to Vanilla Town. <laughs> and that's what I call it. I call it Vanilla Town. And um, it's funny, like we'll be at parties and me and other mistresses will be changing and we'll be putting on our dom outfits and our latex and leather. And then as soon as we're done, we're like, oh, I call them people clothes. I'm like, oh, thank God we got this leather and latex, but our people clothes and go to Vanilla Town. You know, because, <laughs> and it's just, you know, because it's like having these two different lives that you, you have to live in. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, not every mistress does, you know. Some do, some don't. Um, but for me, I don't. I don't have an issue in in either world. But either of my worlds don't cross paths. They can't. Mm-hmm. They can't cross paths because one will not accept the other. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Vanilla Town is so Vanilla Town. It's not going to understand what goes on in in Kinky Town. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's okay. You know, I think there are some parts of what we do that still should remain secretive, and I think that's what's really cool about it, right? Mm-hmm. Not everyone needs to know, mm-hmm. and I think there that's what's cool about it. But I think, like you said, 
the actual world of it in general, kink, BDSM, porn, I think people need to understand, especially now with porn and camming and being a pro-dom, is that pretty much you're in it because you want to. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, if you want to be a pro-dom, you're not going to make a dollar the first year or two. Like It takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes an education. It takes a lot. So this isn't an industry you just hop into just to make a quick dollar. Mm -hmm. So I think, like you said, once the stigma of it circling around desperation, I think once people understand that we're not desperate and we're doing it because we, we want to, not because we need to, I think hopefully we'll take some stigma away. Mm -hmm. Yes, no matter what, there are always going to be people that are doing it because they have to. And that's okay. Listen, when I was a dancer, I did it because I had to. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to. I had to. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a choice. But now I have a choice. And now I chose to be the, now I chose the one to control what goes on. Mm -hmm. I'm not the one being controlled. Yeah. So I was able to take that shame that I felt about being a dancer. I was able to take that inner self-hatred about doing something that I didn't want to do, but, you know, made it look good doing and pretended. And now I was able to take that and give myself that power back and use that power for something positive. Yeah. And another thing I like to explain to people that I don't think they understand about BDSM is there is a yin and a yang to BDSM. There is the power and there's submission. A mm. pro-dom cannot have her power if she doesn't have the consent of the submissive. Mm. So it works both ways. Mm -hmm. So I think also when people understand the power dynamic behind what we do, I think they'll be more understanding. Mm -hmm. Until then, I think it's still gonna be a stigma, like you said, until people understand that we're doing it because we want to, not because we're forced to. Yeah. So uh, can you take us through like, just so we kind of get a greater understanding of what it's like from a client approaching you all up into like to a session that like, kind of just give us an overview on like how that. Hall, yeah, plays I out? can. Yes, I can give you a, a quick overview. Um, I will tell, you know, first I'll start off if you've never approached a pro dom via email um, or telephone, my word of advice is respect, respect, respect. Mm -hmm. You are not going to get any pro dom, especially myself, to answer your email by, hey, baby, hey, cutie. You know, none of that's going to work for mm -hmm. me. Uh, sorry. Mm -hmm. No. Um, you need to address me as, you know, hello, Mistress Porcelain. I'd like to book a session with you. It's about respect. Mm -hmm. um, and I tell people, you know, be respectful, do your homework. So when you approach a pro mistress like myself, you want to send a respectful email. You want to say, hello, I'm interested in booking a session. When people reach out to me, I first find out, you know, what level experience they are, where they are on the BDSM scale. Are they a newbie? Are they a novice? Have they been playing for years? Who they've been playing with? Mm -hmm. If they've played with other, if they play with other mistresses, I have to get a, re a reference on who they've played with because we do have our own system within our network. We check with other pro doms to make sure that they're safe. Nice. We look out for each other. Um, there is a whole lot of work that goes into booking a session before you even walk through my front door. Mm -hmm. All of my clients are vetted. 
right now with COVID, I am only seeing people that are vaccinated Mm -hmm. and boosted and wearing a mask. If you don't have those requirements, I'm sorry, but I just don't right now for my own personal health Mm -hmm. and the health and safety of those that work in my dungeon. Mm -hmm. um, That's the rules. That's how it goes. Um, We don't want people catching COVID. We don't want to be spreaders. So we're keeping it right now to everyone's in the dungeon and N95. If you don't have an N95, I give you one. If you need to be tested, we do test. You know, we have clients that, you know, want to come in. You know, if they've come off a flight, we'll come in and we'll test them before we play with them. So a lot goes into what we're doing before we actually begin playing. Hmm. Um, But back to the start of the session, um, back to even before that, we talk via email. Um, I have people put down a deposit to make sure that they're serious. Um, we go through, like I said, making sure that they've had all their vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get into talking about the play, what what kind of session they want to incorporate. If people don't know, typically I give people some options like, hey, what do you think interests you? Do you think maybe playing with some toy spanking? You know, what do you think about what things trigger you? What things do you not like? You know, I have people tell me if they're claustrophobic or not. If you're claustrophobic, I'm not going to put you in my glass coffin. Mm-hmm. If you're claustrophobic, I'm not going to put you in my 55-gallon drum, right? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> unless unless you want that. Unless you're like, I want, you know, corporal punishment. I want to, you know, be, you know, suffocated and put into, you know, with a hood and sensory deprivation. Yeah, then we'll go down that route. But I ask a lot of questions and see what people are into safely before we agree to what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. When people meet me in the dungeon, um, we have a lot of rules and protocols. My dungeon is extremely discreet. It's private. No one has the address of my dungeon for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Most of my clientele are doctors, lawyers, attorneys, people in you know, very different high-end, high-protocol people, people that, you know, don't want to be, they want to keep it private for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are okay showing their kink out in the public. With what I'm doing, what I tell people, people ask me all the time, why can you not, you know, walk to the airport with, you know, someone dressed up as a pony and latex and whip them in public? And I tell people because the other people there are not consenting to what we're doing. Does mm. that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah so really a lot, okay, if I'm walking through an airport, is it consenting to the parents to watch a six-year-old little girl watch what we're doing? No, that's not consenting. Yeah. So all parties have to be involved. And that's why for, you know, we do kink in a place like a dungeon, like myself, a professional dungeon, because it's private. We are the only people in there that are consenting to it. Mm. So when people come in, when the client comes in, first thing we go over is health and safety. I check, I do a mental health check with them to see where they are mentally. If someone is not mentally sound or I feel that they're in a place where they're not mentally prepared to play, if they're suicidal, any of these things, it's an immediate red flag that they need to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not going to play with somebody in that mental state. Um, I go over physical with them. Have they had any surgeries? Do they have any open wounds or rashes? I mean, I go over everything medical with them Mm. because you don't want to play with someone that has an open wound. Why am I going to inflict, unless you want me to, why am I going to open up a fresh wound or if someone has a tattoo? You know, you're not going to want to 
play on that area. It's mm-hmm. not safe for you. It's not safe for them. You don't want to cause an infection. Mm-hmm. Also, with elderly people, you have to make sure that they're, if they're on diabetes medication, did they take their diabetes medicine that day? Um, if they're on blood pressure, blood thinners, all of these things come into account. And a lot of people don't think about that. Oh. Am I going to do a really heavy needle session on an 85-year-old man that's diabetic with blood thinners? No, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. he's going to, you know, what if his blood sugar drops? You know, what if he doesn't have his insulin with him and he's on blood thinners? He's going to bleed, you know, so all of these things you have to think about. So there's a lot behind what goes on in my head that I have to think about because I'm the one with the power. These submissives and fetishists and all these people that come to see me are relying on me, the knowledgeable one, to keep them mentally safe, physically safe, and in a level of professionalism all in one. It is not easy to do. Because if you're playing with someone that has a lot of medical conditions or mental or physical or both, you have to be cognizant of every word that comes out of your mouth. You have to be cognizant of your body language. All of those things that we talked about in the beginning of why it is so hard to do what I do all has to come into play the minute they set foot into that dungeon and you start to play with them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I tell people what I do is so difficult because there's a lot going on. And every single person that comes in has a different kink, has a different fetish, has a different medical disability or whatever it is they have going on that you have to you know, think about before, during, and after you play. You also have to make sure that you follow up with your client when you're done playing with them. Every single time I'm done playing with someone, I send them an email and I check in with them and I said, how are you doing? You know, make are you make sure you're eating, make sure you're drinking plenty of water, make sure you're giving yourself self-care, make sure you take a bath if you need to, whatever it is you need to do, mm-hmm. make sure that you're okay. If you're starting to sub-drop, which can happen, that means, you know, a sub is in a place where they don't feel comfortable, they don't feel safe. You know, whatever it is, reach out to me so we can work through it together. Mm-hmm. All of those things play a huge part in what I do. And I think a lot of that is not understood in what people think it also goes on inside the dungeon. So that's kind of a little bit beginning to end. You know, there's more things to it than that, but that's kind of a basic overrun of how it works beginning to end. The session part is where you get in all of the kink, the fun, but what people are not thinking about because they're on the receiving end of the fun is yes, I am enjoying what I'm doing, but I also have to be cognizant not to go too far, mm-hmm. not to push the needles in too deep, to make sure that if we're doing needle play, that everything is, you know, hospital grade level with needle play. If we're doing, um, you know, a role playing scene, that I'm, you know, dressed head to toe specifically what that person needs me to be for them to get into their headspace for that role playing moment. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that goes in onto my end for my submissive to enjoy what they're doing as well. Wow. Wow. That's so, like so incredibly informative. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome. That's awesome. Like it, there's so much, there's way more than I even thought about that, you know, you were just like, that goes into it. Yeah. You're right. That is a lot. And see, I think if more people knew this, then that would that also goes to help to destigmatize this too, because like you you really care about people, and I think that you're providing a very noble service for people. Thank you, I do. I mean, when someone comes in and they're at a low point or they're having a rough day, you know, they leave with this huge smile on their face. 
I mean, yesterday I got, you know, a three page email on a new client that I had seen that was like, oh my God, this was incredible. I'm still, you know, I've been at my third day at work. All I can think about is your our session and you know, how much fun it was and what a great time I had. And I they're still high. They're still on their sub high three days later after wow. our session. And I love that that was so therapeutic for them. And it was so fun for me. Like I really enjoyed, you know, the company of this person. This person was so just a nice person to session with. They were extremely respectful. You know, they listened to everything that I said. You know, they were just a great person to session with. And, you know, so it was enjoyable for me too. And I'm like, you know, you're more than welcome to come back. And for me, you know, I love that. I love being a pro-dom and be able to enjoy it on both ends. And it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes there are subs. And I always tell people this, there's always the right mistress and there's always the right sub for each other there's always a good match out there you just have to find each other Mm -hmm. and not every sub is good with every pro dom and not every pro dom is going to be great with the submissive in a sense it's it's just not a good fit Mm -hmm. you know and that's okay that's perfectly fine just because you go and you see a mistress if you didn't find it enjoyable doesn't mean there isn't going to be someone else who isn't going to make it enjoyable for you so i tell people if you've had a negative or bad experience or it wasn't what you thought it was don't stop keep looking and just ask more questions and do some more homework and look for the right mistress and then you you know then you'll really enjoy it but it it takes a little bit of work on both ends if that makes sense mhm Absolutely. Wow. So you mentioned to me that you might want to do some trivia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm so, such a trivia, like, uh, junkie. I love it. So I, okay. I'm so down. So this is like, it's like BDSM Jeopardy a little bit. There's it's, it's a little bit of everything. It's a fun game I kind of like to play when we have parties. So before pre-COVID, we used to have a lot of parties at my dungeon. Right now, I'm just now getting back into parties. I'm doing the Eyes Wide Shut parties, which are up in LA, Love it. Um, which is a multi-mistress party. Basically, it's the, all the top mistresses um, up in Los Angeles County. We all get together and subs come and fetishists and slaves and they come and we, we play with them. Awesome. And so, you know, it's kind of a fun little game I like to play, you know, parties, events, whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll pick, I'm going to throw out some topics and then you can tell me which ones you want to start off with. Okay. So first one is um, things you can shove up your butt. Mm. Okay. (laughs) That's the first topic we can talk about. Uh Um, Women in BDSM history is a second topic uh, game that we we can talk about. And a third one. Let's see. Okay, is it a fetish or not? Let's let those will be our top three categories tonight that okay. we can play. Okay. All right. First, we'll go with the one that I think I know the most about: uh, things you can shove up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get asked a lot of questions. Do you? I'm going to ask you. Do you think you can shove fruits and vegetables up your butt? What do you think the answer is? Uh, I. I mean, are we talking like, is it healthy or safe to do so? Or Yes, <laughs> okay. yes. Do you think that it is healthy or safe to shove vegetable or fruit items up your butt? Yes. Um, I would say it's probably not the healthiest, but 
would that stop me? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, I will tell you it can be safe if done correctly, okay. way, which may be surprising to some. Now, um, I have a client of mine who brings in cucumbers. Okay. And so what we do is we safely put condoms mm. on the cucumbers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you put different sizes. We make sure, first of all, that they're clean, that they're washed, that they are kept in a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. We put gloves on. Then we go ahead, take out the cucumber. We go ahead and put the condom on the cucumber. Then we lube it up and we use the condom side only mm-hmm. while I'm wearing gloves. So there are certain things you can use. He enjoys his cucumbers. So great. That's what we do. So there are some things you can use. Now, but you have to be careful, obviously. You have to be safe because, number one, you don't want it to get lost. You don't want it to get, right? right? Yeah. Okay. So let's be smart. Okay. You're not going to, don't put grapes up there. Okay. That's what anal beads are for. Okay. Uh A banana, you got to be really careful because the outside edges of it are sharp. Mm. If you, you know, take it out of its skin, it's going to be too soft. There's no fun in that. Um, you know, there are certain things when it comes to some fruits and vegetables, you just want to be careful. Carrots, mm, not going to say, I'm going to say that's a hard no on carrots. Um, (laughs) carrots, you know, maybe, but they're pointy on the end, so you got to think about how you're going to wrap that. Uh, so I'm going to say the safest, the safest bet, you really are in the need, cucumber. Right on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the condom that, on a cucumber, that's a good trick. Right, but put some. make sure you lube, you know, put your, you know, lube on it. Don't, don't go in there dry. Not going to work. Yeah. So kind of a fun game that I like to play when we have our parties is what can we shove up people's butts? <laughs> and <it. laughs> recently, Mistress Annie Patrick and I were at a warehouse at, at one of these parties and we found a mannequin. There's a photo of it, actually. I, you know, I saw that photo, actually. And I was, I was like, is this for real? Are they serious? <laughs> yes, we actually have video of it. We did. It. We put condoms on the mannequin foot. We lubed it. And yes, we did insert it into his butt. Wow. Yes, we did. I'm impressed. And he loved every minute of it. That's, and that's awesome. um, yeah, he actually is really fun to play with. Another thing I do want to point out, though, to people that um, I see a lot of, along with shoving things up your butt, <laughs> is please be careful of anal tears. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be careful. It is a sensitive area. You know, I, I, I've, I've been to parties and I've seen, you know, uh, little small Christmas tree sized, you know, dildos people are trying to put up their butt. And even for me as a pro dom, it takes me for a minute to go, wait, okay, you you know, you be careful because, uh, prolapse, Uh, you don't want to have a prolapse. Yeah. Uh, You got to be there. Prolapse is, uh, you know, no bueno, no, no bueno. And I, I preach and I preach and I preach, please be careful of the size the frequency that you're you're using because prolapse is a thing mm-hmm. and you don't want to go there. Yeah. And I have seen it. I've seen it in really young men and it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, I think once you cross that line too, it's kind of like... Surgery. The only yeah. thing that repairs a prolapse is surgery and yeah. it's very painful. 
Yeah. So. So okay. So, so now I have to ask, what's the strangest thing you've ever seen inserted into a butt? Uh, I had a gentleman who uh, rose rose thorns. Like, rose thorns. Yeah, that wow. one. You know that session. <sighs> happened a while ago. <laughs> um, I don't see him anymore. Uh-huh. People think I don't have my own limits. Oh, yes, I do. And that was it for me. Yeah. I didn't feel personally for me. Um, I did not feel that he will ever be in the correct headspace for me to successfully have a mentally healthy conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that he needs professional help, not because he wants to shove rose thorns up his butt. There are other things that he has going on in his life that I think are not mentally healthy. Sure. So for me, that's a hard no for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the rose thorns, number one, that's it's very intense. Um, um, it goes back to, from what I understand and did some research on, I'm not 100% positive, it goes back to some some Greek uh, things that I've, I've read about of, of different things. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember all of it. Uh, I think I'm trying to purposely forget. <laughs> um, but it was a bit much for me. Um, yeah. And the rose thorns, it's, it's not safe. I mean, listen... If you want to go ahead, but for me, that was that was just a point for me where it was I was I mean he took them out of his bag, and he gave me this bouquet of roses, and I thought he was being sweet. I go, oh my god, you bought me this beautiful bouquet of roses. He goes, no, you're gonna shove them up my butt, and I was like, wait, what? Wow. I, 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 it, you know, I, I, <sighs> there's someone else that I know that sees him now. I haven't reached out to her to see if she still sees him. But that that's just, you know, there are some things that I just, I don't feel that are just, for me personally, I don't think are mentally and physically safe. Mm-hmm. So I think I kind of draw the line there. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I can see that. That's good, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm open to things, but you know, that feels like a little <laughs> over, over some kind of line that I, I don't necessarily want to cross. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's up to every, and that's what I love about you know, kink and BDSM is that everyone has their line. And mm-hmm. if you're okay with that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, at a party a few weeks, this was actually no pre COVID, there was a gentleman that loves to be humiliated more than anything. Mm-hmm. We were at a play party. I went outside, I found a cockroach, and I made him eat it. Wow. He fucking loved it. You should have seen us. It was like the Super Bowl of dominatrixes. <laughs> so imagine like 25 pro doms egging me on. Do it. Do it. Do it. Eat it. Eat it. Eat it. I caught it. I opened his mouth and I shoved it in and he sat there and crunched it and ate it. Wow. And I kept him in a cage while he ate it. And it was literally, it was like the Super Bowl of dominatrixes. We're like, yeah. I mean, you. we just all, we're like, we were like high for days after that, right? Yeah. Like, like, so for us, like, okay, some people are going to be like, you did what? <laughs> there are some mistresses that are like, oh, you made him eat that cockroach. That was too much. And then <laughs> there are other mistresses that are like, that was fucking rad. Porcelain made a man eat a cockroach. <laughs> you know, so listen, we we all have our limits, okay? Yeah, yeah. For someone that was their limit. For me, totally fine. Loved every second of it. Totally <laughs> plan on doing it again. <laughs> I love it. Let's let's see. What's their next uh, fun trivia? Oh, um, let's talk about what is... Okay, I'm going to 
ask you what I'm going to give three things. I'm going to give you three items to pick from. Okay. And I want you to guess if I've done them, yes or no. Okay. Like if clients have come in for these things. Love it. Okay. okay. Um, nylons, scratching, hair brushing. So I'm to pick the one that that you haven't done or, or? You're supposed to pick one that you think is a fetish. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, def- I would assume uh, nylons. Is not a fetish. Really? No, it is. And actually, I've done all three. Wow. So I have a gentleman that comes in that he's obsessed with nylons. Okay. And I was talking about this earlier today. He is more of a fetishist. So he enjoys layering himself in layers upon layers upon layers and layers of nylons. He will bring Mm. in five to six trash bag fulls of nylons. Wow. And so he encapsulates himself into nylons. And then he likes to put me into nylons. And then I will take the nylons and I will do shibari and tie him up into full bondage while we're both wearing layers of nylons all over ourselves. Love it. You know, I just recently discovered like how big of a fetish I have for nylons. Like so way into that it. one is definitely different, but it's also it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. It's different. Um so he enjoys the feeling of the nylons. He likes it when I have the nylons, like I'll cut the nylons and I'll put the feet like through my hands. And he likes me to like sensually like touch his back and his legs with 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 the nylons, like me having the nylons touching his nylons. Nice. I know it might. But so that's that's his thing. He, yeah. he is, he's in a sensory play. Okay? I totally get it. Okay. The second one that I talked about was scratching. Uh I have a gentleman that came in that I saw um, today for two hours was really into scratching. And so we did all types of scratching, heavy, thick, deep scratches. He loves women with long nails Mm. and just likes to be torn into pieces by women's nails. So he laid on my bondage bed for two hours and I tore him to him, made him bleed with my nails. He was into it. That's Love what he it. comes in for. Okay, yeah. so that was his thing. The hair that must brushing. be like so fun too. Like just to. It was. You know? It was yeah. a lot of fun, but I have to tell you, my arms are exhausted. My <laughs> arms are tired. You know, so there's also a lot of physical aspects that people don't realize that our jobs are extremely demanding. Yeah. At the end of the day, my body's exhausted. I'm tired. Like. You know, where's the ibuprofen and how much of it can I take? You mm-hmm. know, because it's just, it's very physical. Yeah. Let me tell you, when you're wearing, you know, five, six, six, six inch stiletto heels and corsets and leather and, you know, latex all day, mm-hmm. bending over, you're touching things, you're moving things, you're hitting people, you're, you know, moving men around on a bondage bed. I mean, that's, that's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of physical work. And you're all doing it in heels in these outfits. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely work. The third one, hair brushing, that itself is a fetish in itself. Wow. I have a gentleman who is obsessed with long hair. He loves long hair. Hmm. I, being Native American, have long black Native American hair. Hmm. So he loves to sit there for hours and brush my hair. Wow. That's his fetish, his hair brushing. Wow. So there are a lot of things out there that people do not even begin to even understand. Mm -hmm. People think that I'm just in there all day, just beating men up and yelling and screaming at them. And yeah, that's fun. 
But there's also a sensual side to BDSM that a lot of people don't talk about. And sensual isn't always sexual. Sensual can be touching. It can be sensory play. It can be like the gentleman that likes the pantyhose. He loves the encasement of the pantyhose because he likes me to take my hands and he likes the feeling of how it feels of my hands to touch him through the pantyhose. Mm -hmm. So that's more sensory play. That's sensual. Mm -hmm. I'm not beating him. He's on the ground, you know, being beaten or thrown in a cage or, you know, corporal punishment. There's none of that going on. So there's also a very sensual side to BDSM that I think people forget about as well and doesn't get talked about as much as the thorn up the butt cucumber conversations do. Mm -hmm. So... I think that would be a topic I, you know, we can eventually talk more about is the sensual side of BDSM. Yeah, absolutely. Do we have more trivia? Let's see. Has anyone tried to run for president that's been a professional dominatrix? <gasps> what do you think? I hope so. <laughs> yes. Um, her name is Tara Indiana. Unfortunately, um, she did not, you know, end up making it you know, in, in the runoffs, but she did apply to run as a professional dominatrix to run for president. Um, she's a friend, mentor of mine. And I, in fact, I just talked to her today. Um, so she's kind of like a woman in history because mm. how many people would, you know, actually do that and have the balls to do that. Yeah. There's so, uh, yeah, someone has tried to run for president that was a pro dom. And, awesome. and yeah, so I hope that we see more of that. Unfortunately, I've read articles. In fact, I read an article not too long ago about a woman that was demoted from being a police officer, I believe, because they found out that she had done previous pro dom work. Oh my! Gosh. And I thought I was like, wow, okay, that's real. That just is. So for me, that's like that's just I don't even know what to say. It's like I, I just, wildly upsetting, you know, like I, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Like, what do you say? It's like, I'm always hopeful and, and uh, optimistic. And I, I see, like, if you look at just in the last five years, how much conversations are developing, culture is moving. And it's like, I, I do believe that we're coming into an era where the, the stigma is starting to fade away. And I think more conversations like this that are had and like, just, I think if, what I really would like to do is like encourage people people and individuals to really lean into your sexuality, lean into your kink, your fetish, like explore yourself and like understand yourself because those parts of you are very integral parts to you. And there are certain things that you can only discover about yourself by indulging it and in allowing yourself to engage in this space. 100%. I tell people all the time, I said, I think if everyone, I think there would be less murders, shootings, all kinds of things. If everyone stopped being so freaking angry and judgmental and all of these things that are happening in the world, I think if people just let into their kinks and were like, you know, came out if they needed to, whatever it is they need to do, just do it. Because you know what? Once you do and you let it go, the relief that you feel from it, I think there'd be a lot more peace in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I think there'd be a lot more... Um, people that would find themselves at peace and harmony with themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know that may sound silly, but it's not. I think once you come to that place in your life where you're okay with yourself, and it's okay not to be okay. Mm -hmm. We all have those moments. But within your sexuality, within your kink, for your own mental and physical health, I think if you can find you know, a, a safe space to 
you know, be who you are, do it, because I think that that would be beneficial to you, but also beneficial to the people around you. Mm -hmm. I wanted to touch on a topic really quick that I thought was amazing, and I am going to praise this TV show because of it, Billions. One of my favorite show on HBO, it's called Billions. Mm -hmm. And the main character plays the DA for the district attorney for the city of New York. And I think the very beginning scene is him in a dungeon. Mm. And so I was like, fuck yes, HBO. Like, so eventually as the character goes on, he comes out to a whole bunch of people, to everyone, you know, on this television show as the prosecutor for, you know, the New York. It's it's a, it's a made up television show about yeah. billionaires. But he comes out and he's like, yes, I'm into kink. I'm into BDSM. Yes, I love mistresses. Yes, I'm into all this. And I was like, oh, my God. If every politician I've ever seen could ever do that, that would just be like, how amazing would that be, right? Yeah, right. Like, you know, so I really give that TV show props. I was like, fuck yes. Like, that is so cool. And I thought it was really rad that Billions did that. And they brought out his side that he was into kink. And he basically came out and was like, I don't give a fuck what you think about me. Yeah, I may be the district attorney, but I love, I'm into kink and I'm into it. And That's awesome. Yeah. So I just was like, you know, if more TV shows did that, if more people kind of understood it, I think there would be a lot less stigma. And we are slowly getting there. But I also, too, I think there's also, I think we have to remember that it's going to take, I think, with time, as time goes on, it might be more acceptable, it might not. But then we have to think as pro-doms, if it becomes more acceptable, what are the consequences for us as well? Right. You know, and I think we have to think about that as a subculture because we are a subculture that is more underground. Do we want it to even get to that level? Do we want it to be more secretive or do we want to keep it the way it is? So I think we as pro doms ourselves have to think about do we want it to come out more or do we want to remain more? secretive side Mm. and I think that's a discussion for a later date but what I'm saying is I think it kind of goes both ways Mm -hmm. there's there's only so many secrets and so many things we want to give out by keeping what we're doing but yet making it accessible so I think there's a lot more there's always more to be said about kink and BDSM but I think for now I think as a culture we have to decide whether or not it's something we collectively as a group in the community want to decide, do we want to come out more or do we want to still remain a little secretive? And I personally think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So. The, the, I, you know, everybody loves a little bit of mystery, you know? And it's like, and I, right. I do think that there is like a definite like dark flair to the whole, you know, ambiance, you know, it's, it's called a dungeon, you know, it's like, but it, I think yeah. that's like part of what's like magical about it, you know, it makes it really exciting. Exactly. And I, I think that as long as we have a little mystery to it, you know, and I think that's kind of like the one thing I think that kind of keeps our world a little more secretive than like OnlyFans and, you know, Pornhub is there is, you're not seeing it on there as much. You are and you aren't, Mm -hmm. but you're, you're, you know, there's, there's a lot of privacy and secrecy to what we do that you're, and aspects of it that you're not going to see on places like that. Like the more, you know, sensual things or the more things that people maybe wouldn't find exciting, you're not going to necessarily see because they're more private moments. They're not things that are 
put on for instant gratification because are you necessarily going to get off watching a guy brush my hair for two hours? No. <laughs> so it, it's also a money maker too. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's, there's money involved. There's a business aspect involved and so there's a, there's a lot more to all of the worlds combined when you put us all collectively together, you know, as a whole. But I think for now, BDSM and kink, you know, we are our own little world kind of cultivated into all different parts of sex work, which is really fun and cool. I'm starting to see more pro doms do porn. I'm starting to see more porn stars do more BDSM. Mm-hmm. You know, kink.com is great. They've got porn stars and kinky stars and, you know, a little bit of everybody. You know, you're seeing a lot of the worlds integrate, which is really cool, which is something I haven't seen up until more recently. So I think that's really cool. I think it's great. People are now calling, you know, it's not prostitutes. It's not streetwalkers. You know, that's it's like, well, you can call them that if you really want. But no, we're they're sex workers. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily see that anymore. Girls don't have per se pimps anymore Mm -hmm. you can safely online have an adult business and be a sex worker and go and have consensual sex with someone and vet your own clients and they have their own world too Mm -hmm. and they all we all integrate together in some way shape or form Mm so i think that's really cool that we all have like our own safety network we all have our own things that we do but how we all cultivate and work together. And I think it's coming to be a real beautiful, healthy thing that I hope at the end of the day, we can all cohesively learn to get along. Mm -hmm. We can all learn to be fun and kinky, safe, consensual. And I think at the end of the day, if everyone could just spread a little more love, a little more joy and peace to everyone, I think we'd be in a better place. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's my goal is to unite, like merge, you're talking about worlds merging and stuff, is I truly believe that artists and creatives and sex workers all like need to come together because like we're also like getting censored off of mainstream platforms and things. Like whether it's fringe art or it's sex work, we're both being uh, censored from existence. And the, the fringe of society is what keeps freedom alive. And if you try to clamp down on free expression, then, you know, it's only going to clamp tighter and tighter if, you know, so the fringe is really, we're kind of the bellwether, you know, the canary in the coal mine of like, we push limits so that people, we allow people space to be themselves. We do. I know it's so funny. Like, you know, you go, you scroll through Pornhub or not Pornhub, you scroll through Twitter, mm-hmm. anal penetration, penetrate all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You come to my feed and it's like, I'm censored. I'm, I'm shadow banned. So you can't see me holding the whip, but you can see full penetration. I'm like, okay, not that I'm like, I'm not choosing sides. I'm right. just saying how is like, okay, that takes a week that takes away from me monetarily. Mm-hmm. It takes a, away from people not being able to see my content. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be Twitter and you want to be, you know, supposedly uncensored and have it be a free for all, then why are you shadow banning sex workers? But I can go on there and see full penetration of men and women all day long. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that fair? It's not. No. So I think the shadow banning that's going on, you know, putting sex workers in Facebook jail is just ridiculous. I mean, you know, we all gave up on Facebook years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't been on Facebook in a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even at advertising. We have now what's called FOSTA-SESTA laws. So me as a dungeon owner, I cannot post 
other women working out of my dungeon because I would be considered pimping and I would be considered, it would be called pimping and pandering and it would also be considered uh, sex trafficking. Wow. I've a lot of people didn't know that. And that's part of what I teach at DomCon in my BDSM in the law class. So me, I own a dungeon, right? Uh I cannot promote other mistresses on my website because if the police or vice or whatever saw that under the laws of FOSTA-SESTA, I can be considered a sex trafficker. Wow. That's how it's gotten. Now, so what I can do is I will on, you know, my Twitter feed, I'll put, you know, mistress so-and-so is visiting from out of town. If you want to see her, you can book her. Mm -hmm. He's going to be booking sessions, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But I have to be really careful about what I say because I don't want to be, I I don't, under the laws, I don't want to be a sex trafficker. That's how bad it's gotten. And every single, one other thing too that a lot of people don't understand about BDSM, every single city, state, county has its own laws and rules. Like LA County has its own rules. The city of Los Angeles has its own rules. Mm. Hollywood has its own rules. You know, North Hollywood has its own rules, right? So cities within cities have their own rules and own jurisdictions. You could get arrested you know, in one city in Los Angeles, but not arrested in another, right? Wow. And then in in and then you gotta look in California. California has its own laws. So you go to every single state, county, so local, federal, all of those laws also play an effect. For wow. a pro dom that's traveling, there are states you do not want to go to. New York is one of the very few states that is pro-dom friendly. Mm. They don't have a lot of laws against pro-doms. Worst place to go is like New Jersey. You can't even have like a foot party. It's considered like like if you had like a, let's say you had a a foot party. Foot parties are where mistresses, models come. They wear beautiful outfits. You know, they're running around in beautiful shoes and men can worship their feet for a a small, for for a tribute. Mm Mm-hmm. Can't even have a foot party in some city, states, and counties. Wow, jeez. That would be considered immoral. <laughs> so you're looking at laws that were written under Puritan laws that mm. were written centuries ago based on morals. So yep. that's why BDSM and kink is considered immoral. And that's why they don't like sex work. And that's why they don't like what we do. They don't like any type of it. So we also teach a lot, a lot. We teach a lot about that. It's like a two and a half hour class that we teach just on BDSM and the law. And I bet you people listening to this probably didn't even think about those types of things and that those are things that we have to worry about as well. Yeah, because, you know, we're living in a a post-puritanical colonial like society, you know, that like this, this, yeah. this land was colonized by yep. white puritanicals and those values have filtered in. They've even fucked everybody up about gender, you know, like it, like exactly. Native, Native Americans, uh, indigenous people, their concepts mm-hmm. of gender are so much more expanded than the. the they the, always have been. Yeah, they always have been. And, and it, being raised, you know, Native American, that's why it wasn't an issue to me. Yeah, wow. I, you know, I'd love to talk to you more about that too on a, maybe another yeah. episode or something. Absolutely, uh, but no, a hundred percent, like you said, a hundred percent, like you said, we were founded on these white puritanical, 
you know, ideologies that just, it's like, are you freaking kidding me? So when FOSTA-SESTA came out and all these laws came out, my attorney and I sat down for weeks and he studied every single state down to the letter. And we have a huge pamphlet on what you can and cannot do in every single state in the United States. Wow. And we give this pamphlet to the women that come to DomCon that are traveling pro-DOMs so they know what cities they got to be careful in, what states you need to be careful in, all of that we talk about as well. Wow, because, really you know, you, you have to be... We all have to look out for each other mm-hmm. because I hate to say it, you know, I mean, listen, what we do is in, in a shade of, of gray. It is, it's still, it, it's consensual, but it's, it, it's just, there's, there's so much involved in, into kink. And when it comes to the law side of things, it's, it's part of, we still have to look out for that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know? So like I was saying before, it's pretty amazing all the different laws and regulations that they put on us. Not just on the internet, but just in just in society in, in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say uh, it was you know church and state are supposed to be separate, but like you know, <laughs> why are all the rules so prudish? It, because it's made, like our government is made up of people that are undoubtedly biased because of their Christian you know values or whatever. Well, and I think too a lot of it stems down to politics. I mean, <clears throat> there's a reason why you know the White House and different things and people and places you know that all all involved in politics. You know, religion funnels a lot of money into politics. Mm-hmm. So reli- those religious ideologies and those religious, you know, churches and things put people into politics and put people into power. So then in return, they don't want to see what we do legalized or, you know, out there because it's going against their message. It's going against their puritanical view. So it's kind of like one big circle. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, sure is. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I know it's it's a, it's a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do you have anything else that you want to add? Um, you know, I we covered so much ground today. I feel like you know these conversations just continually, you know, need to be had. I feel that um, if anyone feels that they're in a place where they feel alone, or they feel like, oh my god, I feel weird about this, or I feel different about who I am or who I think I am. You know, don't be afraid to reach out to people in the community. Um, FetLife is great. FetLife is, you can go and on FetLife, it's a BDSM. It's basically the Facebook for BDSM and kink. Oh, cool. And people can go log into FetLife and you can have an account, meet people from all over the world and talk to people all about different kink events. Um, if you want to come to a kink event, I tell people, um, you know, look on FetLife and different avenues on the internet, reach out to a local professional dominatrix in your area and say, hey, are there parties, events going on? There's also people that are lifestyle. Those are people that don't do professional domination or professional submissiveness as a profession that you can play with and, and you know, hook up with and you know, there's all different things going on in, in the community. So reach out to the community and there's always going to be someone there, you know, to help. And if you, I tell people, if you don't feel comfortable, then, you know, there's always, there's always other people to talk to. 
you know, you, you do have to be careful like anything in who you talk to. You don't, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I tell people if you want to, um, if you have any questions, you know, reach out to people like myself, you know, mistresses that been in the industry a long time, you know, mistresses like Mistress Cyan who started DomCon, you know, she's a trailblazer. She's been a pro dom for 20 plus years. You know, people like her, people like that are out there, you know, starting conventions and doing these things. People like that, that are genuine people in the community that have been around, that have set the way for us to be where we are today. So nice. And then one more time, can you tell us where we can find you? You can find me on uh, Mistress Porcelain Midnight is my website. You can find me on Instagram on uh, Porcelain Midnight. I only have one account on Instagram. Lots of people will send me messages. I think I saw like your fifth account. I'm like, nope, not me. Um, there's a lot of people pretending to be me, but I only have one account and it's Porcelain Midnight and it says my official Porcelain Midnight account and how you can tell it's me. I have a lot of photos posted of me and my cats. That's how you know it's me. (laughs) Love it. Uh, (laughs) Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Dommy, D-O-M-M-E, Dommy Porcelain on Twitter. And that's pretty much, that's the only social really media that I have, Mm -hmm. um, I tell people if you, you know, I do warn people, there's a lot of people that are imposter mistresses. And I tell a lot of people out there, if you really do your homework, when you reach out to people, just don't be giving your money to people. There's a lot of people pretending to be me and other mistresses. And it's just, just be careful, Mm -hmm. you know, do your homework. That's what I tell people. So. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mistress Porcelain. I, this has been such a wonderful experience and I learned so much and I really, yeah, I would love to have you back and like, because there's so much more I'd still want to talk about, but like, I feel absolutely. like we covered so much. Absolutely. We can absolutely have as many discussions, as many topics as you, as you wish. Awesome. Well, I, my heart is full of gratitude and uh, thank oh, you thank so you. much. <laughs> You're absolutely welcome. It was a pleasure to be on your show and Thank you for having me and thank you for being open to the topic of BDSM and kink and giving me the time and the space to appropriately explain in multifaceted ways of what we do. Right on. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And if you dig the show and you want to support it, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash rancig, R-A-N-C-I-G. Uh, your patronage helps me create this show. And also I do lots of, uh, pornographic artworks and share my thoughts, very deep personal stuff that I put only on Patreon. So if you want to see how freaky deaky your pal Sig Neutron really is, uh, sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Rancig. And seriously, I just got to give it to you all straight. I'm painting some really good dick right now, uh, that you can see only on the Patreon. Uh, just throwing it out there because I'm, proud of the dick that I am currently painting. It's, it might be the best painting I've ever done. Anyways, until next time, stay weird and stay tuned. <laughs>